Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Welcome to Business Unfiltered. It's Mercer. I am here as always with Jeff Sauer. And today we are talking about managing for profit. Sadly, something that a lot of businesses just feel like they don't have to do anymore because of the new startup culture. But I digress. Jeff, let's define this. We always talk about defining this topic ahead of time, make sure everyone's kind of on the same page with stuff. How do you think about managing for profit? Yeah, this is a good one because I, I think that it could be interpreted a few different ways, but I'm reading it as when you're managing the company and day-to-day operations, how much do you think about profitability You know, as far as resource costs, bringing in revenue and so on. So what what can you do on a day-to-day basis to make sure that your company stays profitable? That's how I'd look at it. How about you? Are you looking at it similar or a little bit differently? Yeah, and I think it's also having um, you know, which I think is a bit of a, a bit of a cliche, but that whole idea that there was a great book, I forget the author offhand, but Profit First, where it's like that's the point of the company is profit. It's not like I get it. I, I totally get that there are different rules with businesses, right? So I'm, but we're kind of speaking more on the probably the small business side of things. Um, private equity just has weird rules, right? They don't they don't really have to care about profit. You can have a billion dollar company. That's just there. It's a different arena. So I understand there's different rules for that arena. But for most small businesses, it's this idea that uh, that profit is important. That profit is what the what the business is there for. Like I think business is the closest thing is to a money tree. Right. Where it's like you create this system that is the whole purpose is to exchange value with the marketplace. Right. With the business generates value for them. They exchange that for some sort of currency. And at the end of the day, it should cost us less than what they gave us so that we can have that extra for profit. Right. That's kind of the idea. Um, and I've I've done it both ways where I have managed for profit and I have managed for growth and I have managed for growth to the point where I wasn't profitable. And I'm like, great, we're bigger and I have less. This doesn't make sense. So we've definitely turned back to really focusing on profit amongst all things and and growing strategically to make sure that that profit is as stable as possible, um, which I think is the the other thing, not going for those like one hit wonders. So I guess when when you're thinking about from a a strategy perspective, and I'm very curious into your your systems and, and how that mentality of let's be profitable. How do you, how do you sort of fold that through to the team? Cause there's one thing to say as the owner, right. Or, or as the, the main person responsible for growing the organization to keep it profit focus, which is important. But then what about the team? Like, do they have that profit focus or are they just out there spending dollars, you know, for their departments? How do you sort of manage that? Yeah, that's a good, good one because, well, I, I like your definition too. And just thinking that this is some of this has to do with the phase there are growth companies and there are profit companies. Very rarely are they the exact same thing at the same time, right? right. Um, so, so managing for profit is different than managing for growth and you have different objectives. And ultimately, growth usually is reinvesting, right? So growth is an investment. And so you're investing in your business. And there's not a lot of profits in investments in the short term. Um, that the profit on that comes long term. It's it's in having higher revenues, higher uh, capabilities as you go through. So that's an important distinction to make. Now, as far as um, how do you manage for that, and then how do you manage your team for that? You know, instilling values in them. One is I think in general, I'm not at the point now where my team has a lot of say in the finances of the business. Right? They can you know if, if we're talking about 
if you're going to advertise to try to bring in new customers, um, I set the budget or, or the, you know, the executive team in a company sets the budget and says, okay, we're going to spend, you know, we have this much money we can spend in ads. Our target is to be one X ROAS or two X ROAS, depending on your goal. But we also want to make that up in lifetime value. So one way to manage is through KPIs and expectations. I'm willing to spend this much money if we can get this return. If we don't get this return, don't be surprised if we turn off the ads or if we find a different agency to fix this thing. Or if I push on you saying, hey, I thought we were going to get, you know, you said you could get 30 sales from this thing. We're getting 10. There's a delta here we need to change, right? So yep. in that case, managing for profit is telling somebody what your expectations is and then having them go out there and improve upon or or get to those expectations, right? So that's that's one way to do it. Another way is, you know, if, if you want it, I mean, ultimately, I, I do think that you should you shouldn't just give somebody a blank check. Usually things need to come in the form of budget. And and with budget, equally important is coming is giving them an expectation, right? So here's the yeah. budget, here's the expectation, here's what I would like to get out of this thing. And so I'm I, I don't know, I don't I don't really give people like a corporate card to go and spend at whatever they want to in order to get things going. It's more of a expectation with here's what I think we can get for this type of investment and then trying to get their buy-in to say, "Yeah, I think that makes sense. Let's go and do it." Is that how you manage as well or do you actually tell people like, "Hey, every time that you, you know, Make sure that you save money on everything, or, or if you're traveling, get the cheapest bid. How do you do? You do you do it at that level of granularity at this point, or is it more like make good choices, put healthy stuff into the system, and we'll get healthy stuff out? Yeah, it's kind of the latter, like you know, make good choices because obviously we're not like, hey, you know, you have to get a tent and camp outside the convention center because we, you know, that's the cheapest way to do it, and they won't kick you out. You know, it's like that's not the point. It's it's it's, but it's being cognizant of why we do what we do. So, for example, um, we had just very recently. Uh, a leadership meeting where we have a face-to-face. And for us, we sort of organize, we've got like the front of house, which is the, all the marketing. And we've got somebody that sort of helps us run all that. We've got the back of house, the fulfillment side, which in um, for the, like the measurement marketing to IO brand would be all of the, you know, measurement stuff and, and fulfillment and trainers, instructors, everything else. So when I'm working with that team, I've got those sort of two voices. There's the marketing side, whose job it is to acquire everything. And then there's the fulfillment side, whose job it is to make sure that everyone's happy and, and retain them as, as customers and members, right, for the programs. So when I'm talking to them, I, I basically was introducing this rule of 541 for us. Now, the where 541 came from was because we sort of had this goal. And we said, because I, I think profit margin was an important metric that we let slide for a little bit. I think to your point, it was purpose purposeful at the time where it's like, hey, we know profit's going to go down, but it's in exchange because all this investment that we're doing should grid us to a point where the profit is much higher at, at whatever level later on, right? But that later on did not materialize. Like in other words, the, the bet did not pay off. The investment didn't return the way it was supposed to within the time frame. So now we're going back and I'm like, listen, I want, I want this 541 mentality, meaning we've got a 20% profit margin. That's kind of what our goal is, right? So if we want a, a 20% profit margin for every $5 in revenue that we bring in, right? Revenue and sales. So every five bucks in sales that come in, the most we can spend to get that is four bucks, which leaves us a dollar left, right? So $5 in revenue, $4 in expenses, gives us a dollar in profit. And so when I'm helping uh, sort of reorganize the company to the point where it gets that profit focus again, right? Because at this point, I'm like, all right, that bet didn't pay off. We're not going to invest it again. Let's just rebuild the, the profit and, and then go a different direction once that part's rebuilt. 
there's two ways to build profit. One is revenue. That's the one that everybody thinks about. But the other one is expenses. And so I'm looking at the, the teams and going, listen, what are, you, what are you doing that was something that you set up four years ago that's still a recurring subscription that no one's thinking about because it's been around so long that even the accountant doesn't see it anymore, right? It's like, oh, of course, they, they're, not, they're not questioning us. Hey, do you need this thing? And if nobody brings that up, if that's never looked at, you have a lot of legacy, literally legacy debt at that point that's just being spent that no one's questioning. So we went through and it's like, okay, is there a way for you to reduce expenses? Because if you reduce $4 of expenses, not, and, and this is really important because I think it's kind of embedded in that question you asked me, not to the point where it hurts, to the point where it's uncomfortable, to the point where the job is more difficult and it feels worse to be a part of the company, not to that point, just the obvious stuff where like, wow, we haven't used that in three years, right? I'll give you a perfect use case, Hotjar for us. I have paid Hotjar I don't know how many years now, eight years, nine years. Ask me the last time I used it, four years ago. But yeah. why do I keep paying for it? Because I'm grandfathered in at these incredibly low rates, right? From Because we were with them from the beginning, but I don't use it anymore. So in, in my head, I'm like, well, maybe. And it's so, I mean, it's like ridiculously cheap for us now, but it's still, it's, it's literally just throwing money away at this point because we use Microsoft Clarity for everything that Hotjar used to do for us, right? So it's like, we don't need it anymore. We're not using it for any clients. There's other options to do this. Why do we have it there? And then you look at the money. And this is where the managing for profit comes in to me specifically. I look at those expenses now and I go for every $4 of the expense that I paid Hotjar. Because again, individual months, it's like, you know, it looks like a tiny amount of money. You don't feel it. And you're like, okay, yeah. whatever. I'll get to it later. It's not that important. When you total it for the year and you go like, okay, let's say I spent, you know, 400 bucks. Well, there's a hundred bucks in profit that I don't, now have. That's what I gave away. I gave away a yeah. hundred bucks in profit. And it's like, wow, okay, why are we doing that? Now, if there's a reason to give away the profit, fine. Like, hey, I'm going to get rid of this. And, and instead of the profit, I'm going to pay this thing, what vendor, person, tool, resource, whatever it is, because they're going to be able to give me that revenue, right? That will bring in the profit. And that's how I'm going to do it. But if it's not doing that, you're just giving away profit for no reason, right? And that's, that's made it easier for us to filter how to trim expenses. So instead of the old, well, we're going to keep this because maybe one day we will use it and it'd be really nice to have it, right? Versus, okay, but in exchange for that, you're giving away this much profit. Is that useful? Do you really think there's going to be a prob high probability you're going to use this tool? Well, no, to be honest, not really. All right, yep. then let's just kill it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we're there. Um, and, and I think, and it made it a little more objective for us and it took out a lot of the subjectivity the emotional thing that can go in with when you're trying to trim expenses right um or at least at least to get profit through that way and i think that's just a missed opportunity for a lot of businesses i know it is for us for sure because we just over the years you get this legacy stuff that you just forget you're doing and then you don't question it right i've done stuff where i've raised the cost of a server right because i needed a, a big traffic spike or whatever and i pushed it to a bigger mm -hmm. server and then forget for a few months to pull back down the server or something right and i'm like wow, there goes a ton of profit that I'm just giving away. Now, again, it's fine if it's an investment that I think there's a reason that I'm doing that. But if I just did it because I forgot, or it's like, you're just not managing for profit anymore, right? You're just sort of letting it go out the window. And I think that's that's what I like the most about that 541 rule. So it's either I have to get $5 in revenue to get profit, or I got to trim $4 in expenses to get profit. But either way, we are getting profit. It's one way or the other. And if somebody doesn't want to trim expenses, we go, okay, great. Then what's your revenue plan? Yeah. Right? How do we grow that to get that? And either way, we're managing for profit, not for 
activity. You know, yeah. like I want that result of profit, not just like, oh, well, we we talked about a bunch of stuff today. We came up with a really good plan. I'm like, OK, but that doesn't pay the bills. Right. Profit pays the bills. Yeah. Yeah. Same boat here. I mean, as far as asking the team, do we actually use this thing anymore and making some of those? I mean, they seem like tough decisions in the time, but if you didn't use they it, do. Years, then you don't need it. And it's just like, hey, reminder, we have this tool. If we're not going to use it, let's get rid of it. I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, I definitely... You know, I make investments, some things I, I like investments in education and so on. Those are things that I sort of look at as more of a investment than an actual yep. expense. It's like acquiring sites or acquiring a training program in order to get there or even coaching. Those are things that I don't really, I can in the back of the napkin be like, you know what? I did those things. It did eat into the, to the actual money at the end of the day, the profit that I'd send to the government, the tax profit, but those are expenses that I'm investing in the future. So it's almost like reinvesting in that sense. I I'm a little bit more forgiving of those, but yeah, things like software, it's like, Hey, if we haven't used this thing, let's, let's, let's reach, let's get rid of this thing. I, I, I found out I was paying active campaign for like two years that after we stopped using it, you know? So and, and they like actually were generous enough. shout out to active campaign. They gave me like a year back, even though I, you know, which is amazing. I shouldn't. That's pretty that. cool. I I'd say they're yeah. they're. I, I have a lot of respect that. for them. Um, very cool company in that sense. But you know, same same thing, right? So, um, and I I definitely think that, you know, I've structured the team to not really have to worry about the expenses because I sort of budget for that and usually make the right choice. But when I talk to my profits coach, we definitely go through the monthly statement and be like, okay, well, you know, here's your burn. Here's what you need to make in order to make this thing profitable. And so a lot of our outcomes are either you have to, you can shrink the team, which is almost never the answer, right? Because, right. well, in, in any, any one of these businesses, people are the highest expense, at least for the type of businesses that we run. It's the people who, who are on the team, the, the salaries we pay. You could do that, but usually shrinking the team is a sign that you don't want to grow ever again and that you're basically like, you know, you're, you're not going to have the big enough pie to distribute later on. So it's like, okay, well, if we're going to keep this team going, we need to find new revenue opportunities. We need to increase our revenue. How do we do that? How do we, you know, is it more promotions? Is it, is it, getting in front of new audiences, where's the revenue plan? So I think my way of managing for profit, at least for right now, because I'm not like, I'm, I don't have anybody to report to, but myself, um, it's really more managing to revenue. How do I enable and empower the team in order to get us more revenue? And then also how do we do the straw man or the back of the napkin math to say, if we do this initiative, are we going to be profitable or not? So we're introducing that, like, do we project that this thing will be profitable? If we do this endeavor, if we have my time, if we have marketing's time for a month, we have deliveries time for a month, we have the person who does the sales pages and editing, that's the cost. Are we going to make that much money back on this program? If not, let's not even do it. Or if we don't make double yeah. back what we put into this thing. So some of it's just more like instilling, like, is this idea good to you if you have to be accountable? And a lot of times things that sound good, lip service things are not a very good idea in the end <laughs> because of that distinction. Right. So, so I think you can do it without being a hawk without actually like, you know, you can, you can, you can instill accountability into the team. You can put it into your planning process and just say, Hey, does your plan make this thing profitable? Here's the expenses. Would you still do it this way? Or do we want to temper the scope? Do we want to change what we're doing? Do we need to adjust pricing? Do we need to adjust acquisition? Right. And then almost every answer, at least in a early stage, you know, sub, 10 to a hundred million dollar business, you know, any business that's less than $10 million, 
the answer is almost always revenue, right? It's almost yeah. always making more money because there's almost no expenses you can cut that would that would. Well, make it's like up you can't save different... your way rich, yeah. right? Like exactly. I totally get that. It's it that, but the problem I think with that thought is while it's true, it discourages people from looking at the expenses, and now they true. don't see the fact yeah. that you're paying after campaign for two years because they just go, well, yeah, but you can't save yourself. Grow, 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 and you're like, yeah, but you're missing, like you're making it harder on yourself because you're not just getting rid of the no brainer expenses that you're just wasting money on now yeah. because you never look at it because you're not thinking about profit. Do right? you know that? I mean, um, are you able to, do they see the expenses to know that they have an impact on it? Are you sharing that with them? Or is that something that you're just anecdotally sharing? We are now. Yeah, we are now for that reason, right? Kind of like, yeah. Hey, here's, here's what like, so here, the, the big challenge I have had with numbers and I'm close to solving this. I would, this will be a great future topic. Um, but as I'm building out the, the businessist.io brand, right. Which is just all about the, the operational stuff. One of the problems I'm trying to solve is how do you take a dollar that you spent and make sure you've got the ROI from it? Like it's doing what its job was supposed to do. So whether that's I'm paying a salary, what is that salary supposed to do? And I've been figuring out how to mathematically, objectively, right? Because I don't like the the uh, subjective stuff. I try to keep it as objective as I can, as measurable as I can, um, to be able to say, okay, well, this particular person or tool or whatever it was, we're investing it. Let's say, you know, uh, we use Infusionsoft, right? Keep. So we use those. So what is Infusionsoft for? Well, it's 80% for that front of house marketing stuff. It's really used mostly for that. It is definitely for retention, right? And it, and it does pause, cancel campaigns and that sort of stuff. So maybe it's another 10% of, you know, fulfillment and that sort of stuff. Or maybe it's like 70% marketing stuff, the front end, and maybe 20% of fulfillment. And there's another 10% of it that we use for more operational stuff, reporting and, and all of that sort of thing. So what I'm doing is I break out that expense by those categories. And then I go, okay, I need this tool to be producing this much in revenue. That's what it should be doing for this, yep. from this department. And then I try to tie that, did the tool do that? And if it didn't, who's managing that tool, right? And now it's, okay, well, why is it not happening? Well, let's go look and see, oh, turns out you're not using it to send campaigns. Well, there you go. That's why no one's buying because we're not sending emails out, right? Which is not true, but just as an example. Um, I, I have a question for you, a couple of things. So one, one of them I want to point out, which I think is a, a really good thing that people also constantly miss. Uh, and I'm going to come to that in a second. The first one though, is what I'm, I haven't heard from you is like, do you have a profit margin goal? Do you like, do you just sort of see what's left over at the end and go like, yeah, that was great. Or do you say, okay, every month we got to be, you know, not month, but over time, over a time period, you want to average 10%. Profitability? Do you want to be twenty percent? Do you like how do you? Because I I get asked that all the time. Like, what should my profit margin be? Um, how do you think about that? How do you even know what a goal should be? For yeah. So it depends on the business, and it depends on what phase they're in, and and what they're going through. So I I mainly coach agencies or service businesses, and I I have a pretty hard line. I think that your labor cost should be twenty five percent is what you should aim for meaning that 25% goes to people that you hire on every on every gig and then your your net profit and and that'll that'll end up creating a great net margin at the end of it but i think you can aim for a net profit at the end of the day for an agency business of around 20 to 25% if you keep your expenses low so i i more say focus on you keeping your your labor costs reasonable on every gig and that yep. will trickle down in the form of of profit, and it will it'll it, you can't help but be at that twenty to twenty five percent range. I think a good profit for an agency is fifteen percent. Um, twenty five is aspirational. Fifteen is good, and anything less than ten means that you 
have a way too expensive team for what you're delivering and you're over delivering. Um, so those are the margins that I give for an agency. And that's what my agency was able to manage to. We had some times where we were less than 10% net profit. And sometimes we were 25%, 33%. It really depends. Um, and it depends on how much you're growing too. Because right. what ends up happening with net profit, and the reason why you want your labor costs to be low is because if your labor costs are low, then you can add a management layer. Then you can add other other things on top of it to replace you from the business, right? So, um, but you, you still keep it within the twenty five percent, even with that. No, layer? no, that management layer is, is different. Management layer, okay. so twenty five percent is your cost of goods sold or your cogs is that is what you want to aim for. That that's basically the labor and any sales commissions you pay. Um, if you do pay sales commissions, it might be more like thirty percent or thirty five percent, but it's still totally worth it. Um, yep. And then. You know, so that that's that type of business. My business right now, um, it's it's at a weird flux point right now where I'm I'm making some major team investments in order to get myself out of the day to day, and right. that has been very expensive, and that has basically made achieving a profit margin nigh impossible because right. I'm you know it it's it's really just shifting numbers around instead of dropping it down to the bottom line in profit, it's used to pay other people and pay me. And so it's, it's sort of this really, it's like a teenager who just got braces, you know, and they're in their awkward phase. I'm in my awkward phase right now for this, this part of the business. But as I'm um, separating the finances out, I, I basically have a target of 40% labor or cost of goods sold and, or actually 40% all in and 50 to 60% margins on the business. Once I get the plan in place, um, once it gets into that part and then, and then being able to do that. Um, and reinvesting that profits into another business. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm taking data driven, which is pretty profitable, but I'm I'm taking all that money and then some on some months and putting it into this thing. new thing, yeah. building yeah. out new content, sharing the team, building yeah. out the processes, getting it separate so that it, that thing can be healthy as well. So I'm in a major reinvestment phase right now, which which it basically means that one business is profitable, but it's feeding another business that has yep. a ne never ending desire. And so that's why I'd say I, I can't really give you the model necessarily, but my goal is to do that to the point where I can, I can be my own capitalist or my own investment vehicle into new ventures. And that's yeah. how I'm treating it right now. So yeah, it doesn't look 100%. as good because the businesses are blended together. But if I were to separate them out, one would be actually highly profitable, but none of that money goes into my pocket right now. It goes into another business, which which needs feed, which needs fuel, which needs, that needs energy. Makes, yeah, that makes total sense. And that brings me to that second thing, which is as you're talking about this, what you're really saying is I've got a plan. I'm forecasting to not be profitable so that in X amount of time, I will be at this level and yeah. have this profit. And I think that's the thing that a lot of individuals miss as well is, is having that forecast. Because if you don't, and this, and this is, again, a, partially a question and a little bit of like um, kind of how I personally look at it. Um, but when it comes to forecasting, I'll put a time limit on it. Because mm -hmm. the problem in the past is I haven't done that. And I've had plans exactly like what you're talking about, which is like, oh, I'm just going to move this over here. We're going to do this. And then this will this will be magic. Right. And you sort of do that. And then it then you're a month in and it's not quite happening, but it still could kind of happen. And then you're three months in and you're still doing that. Now you're going negative even more. You're probably putting in a little bit more than what you initially had thought you were going to. Yeah. But the fact is, there was no plan for it. So you don't actually feel that sting. Instead, you're like, well, we're already 90 days in like. Now, hey, in, in for a penny, in for a pound, and you just sort of double down and double down and double down. And now you're in the problem of a sunk cost, where yep. if you had just had a plan ahead of time, 
when you were, you know, I always say the word sober, but it's like, you know, when you're sober, you make your forecasts. When you're actually doing the thing, you're a little drunk. Like you're just mm -hmm. not thinking straight when you're in the middle of doing the thing because you're emotionally involved in it now, right? And that emotional decision-making is what's going to hurt you if you're in the middle, like just with a stock, right? When a yeah. stock drops down 90%, you know, people who are bad traders go, oh, good, I can buy it cheaper now. And I'm like, it's a dead company. What are you doing? You know, yeah, you, just, yeah. you know you're lost. what's the opportunity cost? What are you not able to do now because you're tying yourself up with this other investment you won't let go? And I think it's the same with a lot of small business, right? So you've got a plan to launch a brand and the, here's the, you know, the timeline for that. And if it doesn't work out by this time, we reverse back out. Here's what it is. You make that when you're sober, when you're doing it, you're going to get a little drunk and you're not going to oh, be God, able to make yeah. great decisions. <laughs> yeah. So you reference your plan when you were sober, right? When you were sane and you go, okay, sorry, this is, this is the rules. And that's what I'm putting in place, like that sort of thing now. So I guess my, the, the question there is like, how do you, how are you doing that? How do you, how do you know that this is when this isn't working? and cut because I think that's the problem. People don't want to think about that failure aspect. And so they don't plan for it. Not saying you have to steer that direction. That's not the point, but it's to know enough's enough. Cause I did it too long. That's exactly what happened to us. I did not have that plan. We went yep. low on profit. Then we went negative on profit yep. and we went negative for way too long. And I'm like, wait a second. Now we're, we're in some real pain because I allowed that to happen. Yeah. Right. Without, if I had had a plan and said, Hey, we're going to do this for six months at the end of six months, we're going to revisit it. If these numbers don't look like this, then we're done. Period. If I had had that, I wouldn't have gotten that way, but six months in, I'm a little drunk. I'm probably quite a bit drunk six months in. And I'm like, okay, you know what? We've been doing it six months. We're going to make it work. Now we have no choice. You know, let's just double down on this poor plan, which is what yeah. we did. Right. Because of my, my mistaken leadership uh, decision there. And so it's like, but now we're back and I'm like, okay, party's over. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, you know, the, the punch ball has been taken away to use that financial term there. Um, and now, you know, we, we're going to rebuild from where we are. So how do you think about the profit and, and planning for, you know, how do you know when something's just not working? How do you, how yeah. do you get yourself out of something like that? Because yeah. it's great if it works, but what if it doesn't? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, so it's hard because you have to have faith when you make a major bet like that. And so I, th I think it depends on what stage you're in as an entrepreneur, as a business owner to know whether you're, putting an all-in bet or if you're putting a bet on the sidelines. So one thing is, I think putting an all-in bet, you basically need to have all-in, you need to be all-in on it, which all-in means either you're going to lose the entire hand or you're going to win, but they're, you're, you're putting all your chips in the table. So I think some people think they're, you know, so if you're going... If you're if you're betting really little, but you th you're acting like you're going all in, you're probably not going to get the results you're looking for. If you're all in on something, then you then you might need to salvage it in a way that you'll do whatever you can to salvage it, right? So I look at like I'm all in on profit pillars. I've I've done smaller bets on other things, like hey, here's a program under data driven that I'm going to you know I'm going to give it a name, we're going to release it, and if it does well. We'll keep on doing. If it doesn't do well, then we'll just do it this one time and move on, right? That's mm -hmm. a that's not an all-in move. That's just like putting the ante to the table and showing up. Creating something under your existing brand is not really an all-in type thing. But all-in when you have different marketing, different email list, different everything, that's all-in. And all-in moves yeah. take it's a startup. Then you're basically a startup funding from one to the other. And I think that just like any startup, ultimately you either throw in the towel. When you, you, you throw in the towel when you run out of money, right? So it's like, ultimately, I think that with enough timeline and a good enough idea and belief in your business model, you keep you can go longer, you can extend it longer without working on those things because you know you want to get it forward and you know what the spoils are going to be. 
but when when this thing works how I want it to be, when there's people signing up and it's and, and everything's working exactly how it needs to be, then this will be better. This is a great business model. So I'm I'm all in on the business model. I'm all in on the topic, what I'm teaching, all those different things, and I'm making those all in moves. So I don't have a plan to pull the trigger on it. It's going to work. And there's no real choice in it. So I will fund this thing as long as it's going to work. But in order to make that all-in move, I am also making changes or investments in the other business to support that as I'm going along. Does that make sense? So it's yeah. So one one helps feed. So you might adjust on one hand what's going on on one side to help feed the other side, as long as all signs are pointing good. Like I, I guess if if you launch the new brand and everyone goes like the market goes eh, you know, and you're like you put all this effort and they go, nah. so do you go okay? Well, I've got to figure out a new offer. I got to do change the marketing yeah. and that's how we're going to do it. And cause we're, which makes sense, right? So at a certain point, you know, you're going to pivot a few times, but if it's been a couple of years and you yeah. still can't do it, right. I think there's a, there's a use case to think, okay, yes, I'll shut it down. Cause if you, if you say like, Hey, no matter what, this investment's going to work. I think that's where it gets a little yeah. drunk mindset and you're yeah, like, yeah, no yeah. matter what, I'm going to make it work. And it's like, no matter what, you're going to go negative. And then if it doesn't, if the market doesn't want this, in, in any way you want to pitch it, you're even if it's low probability, right? Which I which I think it is. Obviously, I, I know your brand, so we're you know we've got both great brands, so we don't have yeah, that yeah. problem. But I think it, you need to look at it and be like, yeah, okay, I would shut it down if these conditions happen. Yeah. But there's a 0.01 percent chance of that, so we're not going to put too much energy into it. But it's on the table. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I I mean I honestly don't think that I'm not thinking that way because I don't think that. I don't think it's a zero sum game that you fail with a new brand. You mentioned the word brand, which is really important here. Products can fail. Products are sort of Correct. a, they have a shelf life. They can fail. A brand is a organic living, breathing thing. So if you fail, failure is only when you give up. It's like the right. Giannis quote, like failure is when you stop, when you quit. I'm not, you know, so, so I can fail many times. Like I can put out an offer and like, Hey, I, I thought that I was going to get a hundred people to do this thing. And 20 people did it um, or zero people did it. Well, I can just go back to it again and, and come up with the next one. Next season, I can play. I can I can just keep going. I can educate myself. I can get coaching. I can talk to masterminds. I can interview people. I can buy people's time. I've, yeah. I've been afforded the ability to have resources to figure out why it wasn't working. So I think that it is not a, it's not a binary thing where, I mean, it, 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 the only time that you fail is when you pack it up. Now, what's a sign that you should fail, that, that you should pack it up? I do think that it's somewhere in the two or three years, no traction, no money, nothing going on there and no direction. And you're still not there. And that's usually actually that it's pigheadedness to a certain extent, right? That is yeah, sort of like, exactly right. we're so focused. Like we, we don't believe any of the indicators that are there, but if right. you believe the Cause, business, cause we're model, drunk in our ideas. That's yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. No, I, yeah. I, the drunkness yeah, yeah. makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I, if I look at it as like, I mean, it's more it, brands are different than products. There's, there's, there's enough nuance there. This could probably be its own thing, right? Like when do you yep. decide to fail or when do you, when do you fail versus being a failure? Right. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't I know if I Hang on. I'm writing that down right now. That's such a great topic. So, so, um, fail being, being a failure versus like failing versus being a failure. Yeah. Let's oh, do that. Okay. I love it. That'd be yeah. really good. And I so it's awesome. Um, Thank you for that. I, and I, I, you know, me, I know, so like I'm going into this one with the clear head Mercer that I'm going to get my ass kicked so many times on this thing. And I'm going to hear no a lot and I'm already making adjustments. So every sales call, I'm making an adjustment. Every piece of marketing, I'm making an adjustment based on the reaction. I'm educating myself constantly, seeing what the methods are, figuring it out and reverse engineering. And to the point where I'm building a worldview that is more failure proof. It's anti-fragile because it's, it is, it's pulling the stuff in there, but I still have to be the one that unifies it and make sure that it doesn't, you know, that it doesn't 
propel or doesn't spin out of control. So it does come down to the person taking all the information and then staying on plan and not getting too emotional about it, which is a challenge, man, really hard. Yeah, it really is. And that's, and that's kind of like, you know, as we, as we wrap this up, I think that's, you know, kind of the, kind of the, the final thoughts on this. Like it's, it's, this isn't, this isn't, it takes skill, it takes muscle and it's not something that's intuitive to everybody. So it is a bit of a challenge. I think it's understandable if, you know, don't feel bad about yourself if you're an entrepreneur and you've got a company that's not quite profitable. Like that's a lot of us are like that. Um, Sometimes by plan and sometimes not. And then, you know, but the goal is, okay, swinging at it again and, and, uh, you know, dealing with that and moving on and looking at what's actually in front of you, like not ignoring the signs. Cause I think a lot of times those signs are telling you what to do next and how to fix things if we're willing to look at them. Um, so, you know, I appreciate that. And thank you for the thoughts on that. You know, as you, as you're listening to this podcast, you know, part of the, part of the reason that Jeff and I are doing this is really to, to help other people, other entrepreneurs think a little differently where, where we can, when we offer some advice. We also love hearing from you as well. So if you've got topics or different ways that maybe you've handled profit, you can go to businessunfiltered.fm and that's how you can reach out to us. Um, the other thing too, just, you know, we always ask listeners to, you know, when you, when you hear something like that, if there was something that struck you like, oh, that 25% payroll thing, like maybe that was it, or just, you know, the five, four, one rule, or just something that was unique and different that you could talk to, because you've been exposed to this new way of thinking at this point. But when you share it with somebody, when you talk to somebody about it, you start to make this a skill and you start to make those thoughts kind of your own now as you sort of integrate them. So we always encourage you to share with others, um, you know, kind of, kind of explore. You can obviously reach out to us over at businessunfiltered.fm. And no matter what, we thank you for sharing what you've learned today, for talking to others about it. And of course, for listening to Business Unfiltered. We'll see you on the next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered, always unapologetically honest.